welcome to episode 58 of the Bullnock Sports Show. And fun fact, on Anchor and Spotify, we have officially released 98 episodes. This counts bonuses and announcements. So soon we officially would have released 100 total episodes. So that will be pretty fun. And yeah, and um, very excited to announce some breaking news. This is regards to the Chicago Sky. They have landed a superstar, one of the greatest of all time, in my opinion, one of the best ambassadors for the WNBA. They have landed Candace Parker. A little bit about Candace. She is a two-time WNBA MVP. She won WNBA championship with the LA Sparks in 2016, and she was named the MVP of that finals. She is also named Rookie of the Year in 2008, five-time All-Star, and multiple defensive awards as well. And she's 34 but still playing very strong, and she was third place in the WNBA MVP race last season, so she almost could have won it, respectively. That's correct. Yeah, she first joins the WNBA league as the first overall pick in the 2008 WNBA draft. Has since been her entire career with Los Angeles Sparks as a forward and she is a Midwest girl as she was born in St. Louis and also that she basically came up um, in Chicago too so this looks like about to happen at some point and I have a just a nice tidbit a tweet by the Chicago Bulls and Miami Heat legend and Hall of Famer Dwayne Wade. She said of she he actually quoted um, basically commented through a Witch Report tweet on the signing uh, that, that was per Ramona Shelburne and Wade. D Wade said. 
what when they don't appreciate your work looks like. I'm happy for my friend and teammate that she's going back home in all caps. Yet he put, but at LA Sparks, no, that's your legacy. Great news. Very excited for Candace to join the Sky, who hopefully will get more TV coverage now that they have Candace Parker. Yeah. She's part of the, uh, is, it, is it TNT or ESPN? I think it's ESPN. ESPN. Uh, Rachel, uh, well, not There's some of the other shows that go on the set. Um, also part of, so, yeah, she, she might have to cover herself, right? Like, <laughs> it might happen. I'm sure those, those uh, interviews are coming soon. And stay tuned for more about Candace Parker joining the Chicago Sky and also the Chicago Sky's schedule when that comes out when they play again after the wobble went so well for the Sky. There was few, if any, mishaps there. All right. This is exciting for me. This is a kind of a rollout, a rebranding, reintroduction of tennis coverage on the Blog Sports Show. We were covering tennis for a limited amount of time, but due to time constraints, other topics, guests we had to find, we kind of put it on the back burner, but I'm kind of excited to bring it back. And why not do that at the beginning of the year, 2021, and in time with the Australian Open, which is starting on February 7th, and a little bit about the 2021 Australian Open, different than in the past. There's more extensive lockdown and a 14-day quarantine lockdown, and they are helping the players in the women's and the men's side stay safe. And tennis great such as Serene Williams has applauded the measures taken by the Tennis Association. She was on talking with Stephen Colbert a few days ago about she was excited about the not excited but she happy with yeah she was on the late show yeah yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah Lachlan is excited too yeah my cat's here he's excited so uh, back to the Australian Open Excited for the number of people who have said they'll participate, such as Rafael Nadal. He's going to be participating. Novak Djokovic. Not Andy Murray, sadly. He won't be. But some other ones, such as one of our favorites, Bianca Andruska of Canada. She will be participating on Instagram. She asked, Somebody asked her like on one of those messages, will you be participating? And she said yes. And I also asked her that too, and she told me yes, so she will be. Did she did she post a, a yeah. message or what? Yeah, she was on an Instagram story, and she said, and she said, "Ask me whatever you want." 
So um, somebody asked her that, and I asked her too, and she she said to me, yes, she will be participating. Because she hasn't participated in a while due to um, injury. And I'm excited for the tournament. I think a good idea for DJ Benable and I will be talking about some of the players we're going to be following, the matches, when they happen, and just talk about how it's looking so far once it gets closer to the start of the tournament. And one thing is probably over, overdue, Margaret Court. She's always had history of negative in the press and stuff she said is not good. She won't be allowed to attend this year's Australian Open, which is probably the right time. She doesn't need to go. And what else? Most of the matches will be featured on TV like normal. And as a fan, sometimes it can be hard to watch Australian Open due to it being so far ahead of us in hours. The time difference is a lot different, but I'll attempt to watch some matches. Or watch them on demand if that isn't required. And we don't know any of the draws yet or the exact players who are participating yet. We'll know that more once February comes around. Because the qualifiers were just wrapping up for people to qualify for the Australian Open. for us early morning our day is either just um, I mean I don't know how many like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. start to like yeah our like night is just ended or uh, is ending so like middle well stay tuned for more tennis coverage in the upcoming days here on the blog sports show Welcome everyone to this week's coverage of Manchester City and Fulham here on the Bulldog Sports Show. I am CG Hawk, as always, bringing you interesting topics, conversation, game recaps, and debates on Manchester City and Fulham. 
This week we are starting off with Manchester City, recording here on Tuesday the 26th, and Fulham plays tomorrow the 27th, so I'm going to be adding that into this segment after the game concludes tomorrow afternoon. So let's get to Manchester City's game versus West Brom, and West Brom is normally the name that would be called their official name is West Bromwich Abbeyan. They are known as the Baggies. That is their beloved nickname. And this game took place on the road at the Hawthorns in West Bromwich between the Baggies and City. The lineups for both sides, starting with the home-sided West Brom, Goalkeeper, Sam Johnston. Defenders, Darnell Furlon, Kyrian Gibbs, Semi Ayai, Dara O'Shea. Midfielders, Jake Livermore, the captain. Romaine Sawyers, Robert Snodgrass, Carlin Grant. And forwards, Kam Robinson and Matthias Pereira. Coached by their new manager, because their old one, Slavo Bilic was fired. He was removed due to West Brom struggling mightily in their first season up from the championship. They have allowed the most goals in the league table. Their offense has been very poor. They're struggling mightily and the team decided it'd be best to get a new manager installed who can maybe fire up this baggy squad, get them pumped up, maybe eke out some draws here or there, or at least some tight games that show some bit of promise, improvement. And all that sounds great, but that did not happen in this game at all. Sam Aldice, their new manager, was not able to get them a W. Now back to Manchester City's lineup. And goal... Ederson, defenders, Ruben, John, Zinchenko, Joel Cancelo, midfielders, Ilkay Gundogan, <coughs> excuse me, Rodrigo, Bernardo Silva, forwards, captain, Raheem, fast and sense, Sterling, Reid Mares, and Phil. Those are is our starting eleven for City. Pretty similar. The main two differences are now Kevin Jabroina will be out for four to six weeks due to his hamstring injury. So we had to replace him in the lineup. And also Kyle Walker got a bad scare in the last game as well. So he was not available. So we had Jinchenko subbed in. And some other guys subbed in as well like Rian Mares. Now to the action. This was a good game early on. Instant action right from the tip. And the thing that's a little bit too bad for the Baggies is they actually played pretty well the first three minutes of the game. They tried hard. They put some pressure on City. They had the ball for the first three minutes pretty often. They didn't let City get a lot of opportunities to get into the Baggies' side of the pitch. 
But alas, it can only last for three minutes, and then it went all downhill from there, and they exploded. In the fourth minute, the first chance for us almost happened when Phil Foden bursted into the scene. He fired a shot at Johnstone, but he's able to block it. Almost first goal of the game, but no fear. Two minutes later, in the sixth minute, our first goal of the game got on the board. Gundogan received Kinsella's cross from the right, then last it past Johnstone. And I want to congratulate Okai. He's one of my favorites on City. I'm a big fan of his. That was his sixth goal in his last eight Premier League games. He is on fire as of late. He's been helping us big time, and he will help us big time. He'll have to step up for Kevin De Bruyne being out for 46 weeks. And this was great to see from Ilkay early on. Assisted by Cancelo, who he's very good job with assists. He's not a scorer as a defenseman, but as a guy whose main job and main focus is defense, he does get a pretty handful of assists here and there. And this was a good cross from Cancelo. In the 20th minute, we got a second goal of the game when... This one was very controversial. Was it a goal? And how the commentators mentioned it, I agree with it. You never back down. You always give your 100% no matter what. Even if you think the play is dead, the whistle is gone, it's over. You keep trying hard. Anything could happen. And this was that example of that. When the assistant referee, she put up the flag, the yellow flag. So the baggies thought that the play was over due to a offsides call. So they thought it was over. So the baggies pretty much all gave up. We're all like lethargic to sitting there, standing up to do nothing. And Bernardo Silva and Joel Cancelo decided to give it 100%. They didn't care that the flag was put up. They had a great pass to Cancelo and he got a goal. And it was really an easy one because... The baggies were all standing around with their mouths hanging open. So it was easy goal past Johnstone to put us up 2 nothing. And of course the refs looked at it. VAR looked at it as well. And they realized it was actually a goal. So 2 nothing, City. And Alston, the manager for West Brom, was furious. The baggies were furious. The fake crowd noise because there was no fans at the stadium. They were furious. But it standed, so 2-0. Great job by Joel. And also, congratulations to him as well. His first ever goal in the Premiership. Congratulations for Kinsella. Well-deserved. Great job. Then move on. The first time West Brom even had a shot at the goal, the sniffed opportunity was in the 20th minute when Snodgrass found Robinson and Robertson's effort was just wide. Close past Anderson, but Anderson was able to get it out of the way. And that's pretty much their only opportunity, really, in the whole game. So couldn't take advantage of that one, and they never got really any more ever again. Two minutes later, Ilkai got a second goal of the game. Great job by Ilkai. This was unassisted. He got the ball and strong finish hit 
way past Gunduman, got past Johnstone, the goalie. And there was no way he's going to block that. It was destined to be a goal the moment he kicked it. Then there was fear for the baggies later on when Robert Stargrass fell on the ground, on the pitch due to sustaining an injury. He looked okay. He didn't leave till later, so maybe. But we'll have to see if you're a baggies fan how he's doing. Hopefully he's not injured for them. Then in the 46th minute, just at halftime, the buzzer is about to beep. The whistle is going to go off. Red Mares, brilliant goal, assisted by Raheem Sterling. There's a high cross, and Reed Mares managed to jump back down on the pitch, get his left foot, and a wonderful shot. Far left corner, easily passed the goalkeeper, John Stone. Move on to the second half. The commentary, commentary, they mentioned it was one of the best first halves of the season for City, besides a few mistakes. And they mentioned the manager, Al Dice, will have to pick his players up for more 45 minutes. Substitutions after halftime. Kyle Bartley came in for Colin Robson. Fernand Torres came in for Phil Foden. Emmerich Laporte, good to see him back due to injury. Came in for Ilkai, so Ilkai will not get an opportunity to get a hat-trick. But two goals is still great. And after that, five minutes later, 57 minute, Raheem Sterling got a goal. Easy goal. Slammed it easily past John Stone. All business. Assisted by Reed Mares. And Sterling easily tucked it in past John Stone. There was never any chance for him to block that, get his hands on it, push it out of the way. Great to see that pairing. Mara's got a goal earlier, assisted by Raheem, and Raheem this time got one assisted by Mares. 59th minute substitution, Matt Phillips came in for Robert Snodgrass. This was probably due to injury. He had to leave. Gabriel Jesus came in for Bernardo Silva. Good to see. Gabriel Jesus come in. Bernard Silva got some rest. Hal Robinson Kanu came in for Carl Grant. Just want to give him some minutes. Some yellow cards for Grant. I mean Kanu and O'Shea. And that was it. West Brom, some fa- fun facts, insights post-game are West Brom have lost five premier home games in a row for the first time since 2004. They also have allowed 22 goals in their last five home games, which is, that's abysmal. Oh my goodness. They have lost, or not one is a better term, not won 18 consecutive times against Manchester City. They have, so they're winless in 18 matches against them. They also have lost Six road games against Manchester City coming in. Their worst such streak. The last time West Brom beat Manchester City was a 2-1 win in December 2008 under Tony Mowbray. And I was 11 years old the last time West Brom beat City. And that won't be happening this year. 
They drew against us 1-1 the first time we played them last month, and now we beat them 5-0. So there won't be any victory this season against us for West Brom. And that concludes this recap of the West Brom and Manchester City match. Great win by us. Really proud. Now we're number one in the Premier League table. We surpassed our rivals, Manchester United. We have 41 points now. They have 40. One ahead of them. That's going to be great to the finish. Both of us. There's a lot of teams that are close at the top of the table with Leicester City at 38 points. Man United 40. Man City, now we have 41. West Ham has 35. Liverpool, 34. Tottenham, 33. Everton, 32. Just some teams close to the top of the league table. The bottom is a different story with Sheffield, all but relegated, and 20th spot. Their season is probably over already. With only five points. They are done. West Brom has 11 still. Fulham has 12. And the game tomorrow against Brighton is huge for us. Fulham, we need to win that game. If we lose to Brighton, it'll be disastrous because they are ahead of us. And they'll have 20 points and we'll only have 12 if we lose. We need to win to get to 15 and only be two points back from Brighton. And stay shouting distance between Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, and those teams especially. And I'm really excited to talk about Fulham's match against Brighton tomorrow. Hopefully they win and I'll be in a good mood. Also, I'll discuss a little bit about the controversy, the allegations made by former youth player Matthew or Max Noble. He has made some allegations from abuse during his time at the Youth Academy. And that'll be interesting to talk more about that when I talk about Fulham in the second half of this segment. Stay tuned for more upcoming on Fulham shortly. We are back for the second half of this segment. Started off with Manchester City's dominating win over the Baggies. Now we pivot to Fulham's rather Disappointing, pitiful, abysmal performance against Brighton on the road at MX Stadium in Falmer. My mood, I would say we got a point, we drew 0-0, but I'm more at a livid, anger, incensed mood right now. I wouldn't say enraged, I would say more incensed, so very angry at our performance tonight against Brighton. If we won, we could have moved up the table. We need to win games to stay out of the relegation zone. Came into this match with 12 points. Brighton were ahead of us by a little bit. If we won, we'd only be two behind them, so there were five ahead of us. We would have been two behind them. That would have been great to get that W. But the lifeless offense reared its ugly head yet again. Dead on arrival. There was no offensive game plan. Scott Parker 
made a few changes to the last lineup that lost against Manchester United 2-1. Made a few changes. And now I'm going to get to the lineups right now. And I'll keep this brief. I'm not in a fantastic mood. It's kind of disappointing. Last week I mentioned I was hopeful for a W against Brighton. Excited. The next week, which is now this week, I was going to be in a great mood talking about our thrashing over them. Or maybe our 1-0 win, 2-1 win would be great. But we scored a goose egg, zero. Now let's delve into the lineups and then why that was the case. Lineups first for the home-sided Brighton. Goalkeeper, Robert Sanchez. Defenders, Ben White, Adam Webster, Lewis Dunk, the captain. Midfielders, Yves Basoma. Alexis McAlster, Pascal Groff, Solly March, Joel Veltzman, forwards Neil Mappe, Leonardo Tassard. That was their starting 11 in a 3 5 2 formation. They've always been the team this year that does not score goals. I've mentioned them before when I've recapped. The last one we played against them on December 16th, which was also a nil-nil draw, by the way. I recapped that game. I talked about their defensive mentality, defense first. If they score a goal, it's nice, but that's not the manager's game plan going in due to the limited offensive weapons they have. And to be honest, that is what happened for them. They had a few chances to score against us, more than we had against them. But they didn't make any drastic mistakes that would have cost them on the score sheet. So they managed to get 0-0 and get another draw, which they're good at. They get a fair number of draws. They don't win very often. They win more than us. They have three wins. We only have two. But they get more draws. And if you get a lot of draws and occasionally get a win here or there, you can reasonably stay in the Premier League. Now for our lineup, in our 3-4 free free formation, goalkeeper... Alphonse, Defenders, Joachim, Tosin, Olenia, Kenny Tete, Midfielders, Bobby Reed, Harrison Reed, Andre Frank Zamonguisa, Forwards, Ruben, the Visible Man, Loftus Cheek, Yvonne Cavallero, and Admiral Lookman. No Mitrovic again on the bench yet again. He did play in this match, coming in the 79th minute, which, why so late? He only had 10 minutes. If you only have 10 minutes, what can you reasonably get done? There are some great players that, in theory, 10 minutes would be more than enough that can make it happen. Explosive goal, maybe a great assist, and the offensive going. But Mitrovic actually played pretty well in the 10 minutes he did play. Probably better than... Some of these guys, like Yvonne Cavallero, Ruben, Invisible Man Cheek. And that was our starting 11. The game started, we did pretty well on possession. We had a good possession early on in the first half. Where we failed was many of the other areas. Corners, big disadvantage. They had 10 corners. Brighton, we had zero. 
And in shots, they had 16. We only had 10. They had 5 on target. We had 3 on target. And the free shots on target were very late in the match, closer to the end, which is good. It was nil-nil, so maybe we could have gotten a goal. We did hold a slight lead in possession, 50.2 to 49.8 overall. And in case you're wondering, head-to-head, what was the hope coming in? They played four times total. We have one win against them in three draws. Our one win was at Craven Cottage at home. That was in January 2019, 4-2. The other matches were a 2-2 draw in September 2018. Nil-nil, like I mentioned, on December 16th, 2020. And now, nil-nil yet again. This was a crushing draw. We did gain one point, which helps us in hopefully staying up in the Premier League. Where we stand now is we have 13 points. Brighton now has 18. They moved one up. Still in the 17th spot for Brighton. We are in 18th still. Brighton has a good path, based on how they've been playing, to reasonably move up. They can pass Newcastle with a win. Newcastle has been very poor lately. I think Brighton will pass Newcastle based on form, based on how they've looked. I know Brighton's offense has not been very good at all, but Newcastle as a whole has not been very good. So Brighton's defense has been perfectly decent for them and played well. So they have a better shot, I think, than Newcastle. But crushing for us, Burnley won today. Now 22 points, almost double the amount we have. And right now, it would have been a lot better if we beat in Brighton to only be two behind them in points. But now we are five behind them still. And West Brom won. We didn't win, but they have 11 now. Still 11. And Sheffield United actually won against Manchester United, which is shocking. Huge upset. 20 being the one that never happens. And Sheffield's been so awful that I'm shocked they won. But they did. So now they have 8 points. There's only 5 behind this. Which is worrying. We need to start getting some wins right now. No more draws. We need to start winning. We're playing West Brom next. We gotta beat them. If we don't beat West Brom, we'll fall behind them in the table to be in They'll have uh, 14, we'll have 13, so we'll fall to 19th spot, which is not a good look at all. Hopefully next week we'll have a win when I discuss it. And I'll say, one, we beat West Brom. Which I shouldn't be that happy about that, but West Brom is so bad, but we need to win. I don't care who we're beating. And the sad thing was, if we beat West Brom, hopefully... Well, now we would have three wins on the year, and of the three wins we would have, the first one was against West Brom, then we beat Leicester, shockingly, then we beat West Brom again, hopefully. I'll take it, I guess. That concludes the recap of this game between Fulham and Brighton. We drew, so we gained a point, but we didn't win, which was depressing. I guess I'll take one point, at least better than zero.
then I want to discuss a allegation that has been surfaced from a man named Max Noble. He is 31 years old. He used to be in Fulham's Youth Academy years ago. And he has surfaced and has accused Fulham's Youth Academy of horrible things in regards to abuse, racism, lots of bad-looking allegations that could be fake, that could be true. We'll see Fulham's doing a thorough investigation into Max Noble's allegations against the club. We'll see what happens. I am not a Nancy Grace type. I'm not going to immediately jump to conclusions and say, it's all true. I want to wait till the facts come out and more information comes out. But still, it is disturbing allegation nonetheless if it happens to be true that our youth academy is doing bad things or in the past they did bad things. Because it was years ago, so I don't know if that's still going on right now. Thank you for listening to this week's Premier League recaps on Manchester City versus West Brom. And finally, Fulham against Brighton. We'll be back next week with more Premier League recaps for Fulham Manchester City. And this episode is 58, which will include some more topics revolving around Blackhawks, recent games against Predators, and also losing Alex Dabrinkit and one other guy due to COVID symptoms. And also I'll talk about the Bulls, DJ Vanya Bull, and I will talk about the Bulls' recent games against the Lakers and Celtics. Those are the only two this week until the end of the weekend, so it's Saturday. So that will be it for the Bulls. And then any other topics that we discuss. There's a potential that Jack O'Hare will come on, do wrestling. We'll see if that happens or if it has to be moved to another date. Stay tuned for more. Okay, Bulldog Sports Show, fans of the show, we have reached the namesake of the program, the Chicago Bulls talk for this week. We have only two games to recap this week. Thank goodness, the past few weeks, overload of four, five. This week, only two, more manageable. And the two are, first, we took on the LA Lakers on Saturday, and then on Monday, we took on the Boston Celtics. Both games were at home at the United Center. First, we'll start with the Lakers. Saturday, so far the Lakers have been having a very good uh, win streak, if you will, a very good record. And so they are uh, very much uh, on the road got a path to success once again for this season. They're going to be a top uh, seed um, as we see so far. And then uh, for the Bulls where we've been uh, towards the bottom, bottom feeder and working our way up uh, now we're towards the towards the, the middle of the pack so in the East Bank Yep. We took on Lakers. This game's different than last time we played the Lakers. Last time we faced them a few weeks ago, Anthony Davis did not play. 
we only had to face LeBron James. This time we had to face LeBron and F.A. Davis. And F.A. Davis, in my opinion, is probably one of the most important people on the Lakers because he scores the most points routinely. LeBron is probably the most important, but LeBron never doesn't score that many points these days. The key stars of this, yeah, yeah. Also, um, I like uh, Cantavius Cabo Pope. He didn't have a good game in this one, but he can be good at times shooting the three. And the key stars for our Bulls in this game, no one really stood out. I guess Zach Levine would be the first one you'd look at with 29 points and 10 rebounds. This is a little bit less of an offensive firepower game for him. I know 21 points is pretty good, but he's been scoring like 35, almost 40 routinely. And one reason why we lost is since he only scored 21, no one else was able to score very much. So we lost pretty easily to the Lakers. No. Career high. Career high. Well, it's not a career high, but it could be a year high, though. <laughs> it's gotta be. <laughs> Definitely having a good time. 
I'll have to double check, but it's got to be like a year high. And I think we've missed, um, we've missed Wendell. Without him, we've lost some of the um, offensive. He's been, he's been on, uh, on flames lately, actually. And he's like scoring like how he was when he first came in, I believe I said this previously. And yeah, he's, he's back to almost where he was. And then being able to, you know, rebound and, uh, and everything, uh, of course, that's still there. Like seeing him back offensively, uh, being a powerhouse uh, for the Bulls, uh, very refreshing. Though we didn't see him this time, and uh, huge reports on him of why he's been out. A surface. Uh, I mean, ESPN first two on report, and uh, this was a couple of days ago actually, just. Confirming that he, uh, Carter, uh, WCL, uh, WCK, um, Carter is now going to be out for longer. Uh, they're, they're looking to reevaluate him for his injury, um, and uh, that's going to go down in four weeks. So he's not, he's expected to be out for a month. And uh, it's due to that quad contusion that has seemingly worsened. So, uh, yeah, of course, uh, Coach Chad watched his uh, post-game interviews saying that we you know, uh, unhappy of this. So, yeah, being uh, missing out on, you know, part of the, the, the young core of, of, the, of the group is, is not ideal yet. Yeah, uh, we'll have to reevaluate re him. And um, I say this is better than when they're missing uh, Larry Marketing as well because they're in uh, dire straits. Okay, Thanks to uh, missing uh, two of their starters, major players. So, yeah. So let's move on to the Bulls Celtics. That's the final one we have for this week. It was on Monday, January 25th at the Knight Center. Yeah. yeah, by the way, the Lakers took. Right. And uh, as as uh, Nancy said, that that's the the score on paper does not reflect the way that. No, it it didn't. <laughs> okay, I mean it does make the Bulls look good. So, uh, yeah, I mean that that shows that they're they're fighting hard. And, uh, that, yeah, it was at one point very one sided. Uh, they were down to thirty. So very concerning and quite uh, reasons for that. So yeah, we go to uh, we stay at the Is this a rematch? Is this a um, reschedule of the game as supposed to happen last week, or is it a different one? This this had to be a reschedule because we we're supposed to play them, but it was canceled, right? Right. Yeah, which is why, like, I mean, you can tell because the huge gap, like, I don't believe they're intended to have, like, <laughs> from Monday all the way until the next one gets from Wednesday on Saturday, so, um, and it's unusual for the, you know, not to have a Monday game. Besides, I mean, they had, they had some, plus, some last week, which was uh, Martin Luther King Day, so, yeah, uh, this one was, this one of them. 
who, um, I mean, at least because due to the team, you know, that you face, and I know they're on some protocols. I have to reshuffle. Here we are. We were in the run up there. One day. I want to first say it was great to see Fadius Yan have a great game, almost a triple-double. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. What do you think was? What do you think was Ron with Kobe in this game? He had another bad game. Yeah, come off the bench. Saw the, the return again of uh, Sadaransky. 
didn't quite light up the scoreboard. Yeah, he uh, was uh, quite uh, the assist machine. Not as much as that. Surprised us if <laughs> this time around. And what about uh, Patrick Williams? Do you think he's been up with that? I mean, it looks like he's had for this one uh, some limited minutes. I think he might, it might be time to put him on the bench. Just to give him some rest. Cause some rest, yeah. Thinking um, still, I mean, he was still uh, just 19 years old, so he is a young guy. Just starting. Because maybe we could get Otto some starts. Yeah, i so. i say that... Uh, you know, how it was before was, you know, Sadaransky, which, you know, was, you know, started for the most part, and, you know, he would maybe, maybe not get it, though, like, I believe it's, it's time to, uh, you know, bring Gordon back in there, uh, and also, uh, from time to time, uh, if you want to add him, if not, uh, I mean, in place of, like, this time Gafford started, which he doesn't, uh, didn't light up. Uh, either, uh, yeah, maybe also add in uh, Temple. Very, uh, they'll be very uh, good for them to for the offensive side. Yeah, he's he's also a good ball. He is. I believe now that he's very uh, he's more comfortable uh, on this ball spot. Enjoy your stay in San Francisco and hope to see you again. So. That concludes. Eight yeah, 18 points for Laurie. Yeah, right. That, 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 we only got to 100, um, if not. Uh, and this was, uh, we took it out at uh, 119. Good effort. Definitely missing key components. Yeah, well, we'll definitely get back to that on Saturday as we face the Portland Trailblazers, right? So, yeah, that concludes. All right, we've made it to the Blackhawks. This is the conclusion for episode 58. They have played three times since we last talked. They took on the Red Wings at home at the Knight Center on Sunday. This was a big one for the Hawks. We crushed them 6-2. to two. The Hawks and Red Wings are fighting for that last place 
finish in the Central Division, but the Blackhawks played very well against Dylan Larkin, Tomas Grease, and Maffeus of the Red Wings. We played well in both games, swept them. Great to see that. And I'm proud of the offensive performance there and the defense. It's improved since we last talked um, last week. And now I think we can move to the games this week. There was two games this week. On the road, we took on Nashville, the Nashville Predators, and back-to-back games, doubleheader. It took place on Tuesday and Wednesday. The Blackhawks and Predators are probably the opposite of each other. The Blackhawks' defense very poor, very bad. Whereas the Predators' defense, very good, but offense very poor. So we're pretty much the exact opposite of one another in team makeup. And let's see. Okay, so Tuesday, we made a change to the goalkeeping. We started Malcolm Subban for the second time this year. As you know, his first game, he was very poor. Five goals allowed. But this game, much better only allowed two games in regulation and then allowed one in overtime. So only three goals allowed by Subban. And overall, this was a fun game. I watched this one from 8 to the end of the game because I had my class, Zoom class from 5 to 8. And when it ended, I turned on the Hawks game. So I got to watch the last bit of it, second and third period. And I want to give a shout out to some of the big performers. First to Maffeus Janmark. He has now scored three goals and one assist in a few games played. We signed him as a free agent this year. One year, $2.2 million contract. So a low risk buy, low cost buy. But he has rewarded us with a free goal point streak, which ended yesterday. But... Up until this one, he had three goal games in a row with a goal. And this one was really fun. It was a one-on-one. This was one of my the best defensive moves I've seen in a really long time for the Hawks. Maffeus, he timed the, the Predators' pass perfectly. He stole it one-on-one, just him and Pecorine, the Predators' goalie. And he beat him, left low block, got it past Pecorine, and got us a goal. That one was shown on the highlights multiple times because it deserved it. Great play on defensive and offensive for Janmark. Also, Dylan Strom scored again. Good to see him get some more goals. He's been a little bit inconsistent so far, but he got a goal in this one, and that's good to see. And we, he scored the first goal for us. So in the first period, it was one nothing Hawks. And then Jam Mark got our last goal in the second period. This is where our defense kind of got a little bit rusty. We allowed the Predators to get some power play opportunities, which bit us in the butt. And we allowed some goals to Michael Granfeld and also Yakov Tenen. And it was 2-2 going to overtime, and Roman Yossi, the best player on the Predators, one of the best in 
the NHL, one of my favorites, beat us in overtime to get the 3-2 Predators win. And that got them to 3-3 on the season, so 500 records so far. And Hawks fell to 2-3 and 2. So not awful yet, but we needed to keep winning some games. See, this is not really a team that's expected to go anywhere. Just see some improvement game by game, some positive aspects. And also, one thing I want to mention, uh, Adam Boquist and Alexander Brinkett, two of our really young studs, are going to be out for a while due to COVID-19 symptoms. So um, they won't be playing for a while, so no Adam Boquist on defense and no Alex Dabrinkit on the offensive zone. And hopefully they get better, and hopefully nothing goes bad for them. Can't wait to see them back on the ice. And now we've reached the final game. It was yesterday on NBCSN Sports, the big Wednesday night game. There was only two games on yesterday, this one and one more. It was Ottawa and Vancouver. This game was a big one for the Blackhawks and Predators. These are the kind of games that Predators love to have. Games where very low scoring. They won 2-1. to one. That's how they win games. Keep it 2-1, to 1-1. One, one to one. Think of it in soccer terms as a team that wants to focus exclusively on D. Kind of like a term that's been going around a lot for Fulham, like park the bus mentality. Like make sure your defense is completely sewn up and the offense is whatever. This is how the Predators get their wins, their bread and butter. Defense, smash mouth defense. Just like the Grizzlies in a respect, both of them are defensive oriented and their reputation is defensive oriented. And the only goal we got... Memphis or Vancouver? Memphis. Because I was trying to go with the um, Tennessee like similarities. They're both in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the only goal we got was by defenseman Ryan Carpenter. He scored in the final period, whereas the Predators also did too. It was nil-nil up until then when both scored. Nick Cousins got a goal to tie it at 1-1, went to overtime, no one scored. Then we made it to the shootout, where sadly, the Hawks couldn't get the win. We ended up losing 2-1, to one. but I want to give Kevin Lincoln a shout out, great job again. He's been very consistent as our goaltender. I think he might be our new starter goaltender for a while at least, but Subban wasn't bad, and Condila has been bad, so we'll see if Kevin Lankinen and Subban are probably the one and two right now, Delia Ferd. But Subban's so inconsistent, he could have a horrible game next week and I'll be saying something different. So now two, three, and three. They are four and three to Predators. The next game for the Hawks is tomorrow, 7 p.m., Night Center against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And two games against them on tomorrow, Friday and Sunday. The Blue Jackets are a defensive-oriented team just like the Predators. They have some good players, though. They recently did a trade where their big guy on the team, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he demanded a trade for a while. He was traded to the Winnipeg Jets for Patrick Laine. 
So now he's their new superstar on offense, Patrick Laine. He's very good. He joins the Blue Jackets along with uh, Junes Cabrasano, their goaltender, who is very good as well. And also um, Oliver Bjorkstand, who is one of their left wingers. He is pretty good, solid too. And they're well coached as well by John Tortorella, one of the better coaches in the NHL. I'll say we split. I think we won. We win one of these and lose the other one. And this concludes episode 58. I got to head out. Did you buy the bull? Nice talking with you and talk to you soon.